Do I have any friends out there that want to come up here and sit with me and I get to tell you a little story today? Come forward for our children's time. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Hello. It is so great to see all of you this morning. It is so, so wonderful. Keep on coming. It's great. Well, today, I would like to tell you about a dream that I had, if that would be okay. But I actually, it's a two-part dream. Has that ever happened to you? Where you have a dream, and then maybe the next day, or even a few months later, it's like it picks up where it left off? It's kind of weird, but it happened. So, I had been asking myself... What was it that God was calling me to do with my life? And I knew that I was supposed to serve God, but I didn't know what that meant. So in this dream that I had, I went on a walk with God in the woods. And it was kind of rainy. But you know what? It was rainy, like last night. So I was in the woods walking. But you know how God showed up with me? God showed up as a blanket. I know God can show up in all kinds of ways. So God shows up as a blanket in my dream. And I'm walking and walking and walking. And I get to the edge of this really beautiful field. And the sun was shining and the birds were chirping and there were pretty flowers. And I wanted so bad to go and play in the field, but I was afraid. But God was still with me. So that dream ended. I went and I found a shade tree and I sat underneath it, wrapped up in my blanket and just spent some time with God. But then a few months later, are you ready for this? I'm going to need your help with this one, okay? Yeah, I will. A few months later, I had the same dream, but it picked up right in the field. And the next thing I knew, I felt like I could stand up. Can you stand up? And there was all the grass everywhere and all the flowers. And I just started spinning around. You could do that. Spin around. But guess what? God was still with me. But at that point, Pastor Nancy helped me figure out what this was. My blanket that was God, this worked better at home. It turned into a cape. What? It was such a crazy dream. We could sit back down. But it taught me something. It taught me that no matter what, can I squeeze in right here? No matter what, no matter what I was going through, whether I felt like I just needed to sit and spend some time with God, God comforted me. And when I felt like I could serve God to my fullest, God was with me, giving me all those superpowers that I need. So that's pretty cool. And I hope that you'll find what your God cape is. Okay. Will you pray with me? Yeah? Okay, good. Holy and loving God, we thank you so much for the ways that you are with us. 
We are grateful for the ways that you offer us comfort and courage. Help us to serve you in this world and love other people. Amen. Okay, now what are the numbers? If you're three, four, or five, you can go with Pastor Maggie to Children's Church. You're four, congratulations. You're three, that's wonderful. And if you're not those ages, you could go back and sit with your family. Hey, sweetie, how old are you? Are you four? Okay, you, you want to go again? Okay. You go right there. I think they're looking for you. Phew, that blanket's a little warm today. As Pastor Carol sh- shared at the beginning of our service, today is the fourth part of our Acts of Discipleship during the month of May. And each week we have looked at a different part of our membership vow of how we can be faithful to the ministries of our church. We've talked about being faithful through prayer, through our presence, and through our giving. And today we talk about service. So often I've learned the most powerful ways that we can serve God and the church are connected through our own experiences. Think about it. People who may have felt ignored the first time they visited a church might become greeters. People who were told that they weren't worthy of God's love might become the people who tell others that they are. Or even those who were impacted or even neglected by a Sunday school teacher might take on the charge and become a Sunday school teacher themselves. And when we take a chance to serve in response to our experiences, we take it upon ourselves to work towards a more loving and inclusive kingdom of God. And that's the part of Tabitha's story that hits me the hardest today. Serving in the spaces where we ourselves have experienced the need. And for me, in my own journey, that meant finding out how to serve in the church again. Minus a few tweaks here and there, I've had this sermon done for a few days, but when I woke up this morning, most of it changed. So bear with me, totally different message. I'd even practiced it on Quint last night, but lucky for him, he only has to hear this twice in 24 hours, not three times. So I woke up this morning with the phrase echoing in my mind, dark night of the soul. That's the title of a poem that was written by St. John of the Cross in the 16th century. And as you can guess by the title, it's a poem that journeys alongside a soul as it goes through a dark night. I think Tabitha went through a dark night in this scripture. And in the season of Easter, we have the opportunity to think of all the different ways and all the different looks that resurrection has around us. But I think that to fully understand that, we have to go through a dark night of the soul. This is a little different than we normally do here, but I'm gonna share with you some of my story. In July of 2017, when Clint and I moved to Nashville, we had just gotten married the month before. It was in the middle of one of the, my soul's darkest nights, but it wasn't because of the wedding that made me happy. 
there were other things going on. I, my soul, was not in a good place. While I was in college, I had served as a youth intern, and then for the four years following that, I was the youth minister at the same church. And I loved the actual work itself. I still love getting to hang out with teenagers. They're so fun. But the last year and a half was super difficult because the person who was my supervisor had recently gone through an extremely tragic change of life due to a traumatic fall that his spouse suffered. And it resulted in their life looking totally different. For the rest of their lives, everything changed. And for me, I thank God for therapists because I've been able to process this a lot. And I realized that the trauma that my supervisor was facing at home and the aggression and disappointment he was experiencing as a result had been directed towards me. I was a very young adult woman trying to navigate what my calling was, and unfortunately, that made me easy to control. So I endured a lot of verbal and spiritual abuse during those months, and I almost left the church because of it. I was ready to be done. I showed up on the first day of divinity school and I said, I mean, not a Methodist, but I don't like the church anymore. And I love the church. I love that my parents tell me when I was little, I would skip around the house on Sunday morning saying, it's church day, it's church day. So for me to want to leave the church, it was a very dark night of the soul. The things in our lives that make us who we are, they're really important. And I think the same is true for Tabitha. The text tells us she is a disciple. But instead of using the masculine form of the Greek word for disciple, Luke, our author here, uses the feminine term. This is the only place in the New Testament when a woman is called a disciple. So that tells us Tabitha is someone to pay attention to. But until recently, I never gave much thought to Tabitha's background. Her appearance in Acts is actually really fast, and honestly, she's dead for most of it. It's true. But I think her story, it's one that, the one that we don't hear, the one that happens before and after, can be just as powerful. We have some clues. We know that she was committed to good works and acts of charity. She made clothes for the widows, and she lived in Joppa. And she was known by some as Dorcas. And that's about it. While I was reading up on this text, I saw several places that suggested that Tabitha herself might have actually been a widow. I'd always just assumed that Tabitha was some young, single, unmarried woman that happened to have money, kind of like I was, kind of, minus the money, when I first discovered her story. And she just did the work of the church because that's what she was supposed to do. But this idea of her being a widow, this idea of her responding out of her experience and her loss and her pain, she knew firsthand what it was like to be forgotten. And in response, she committed her life to serving those like her. 
And her work in this healing community, because that's what it was, was so powerful that when Tabitha herself became ill and died, her community gathered around and offered healing community to her. I shared during the children's message about a dream that I had. It was really more of a vision because I was awake both times, but I didn't really know what to call it because I've never had one of these. And it wasn't one of those moments where I was like, like they do on TV and you see into the future. The first time I was at a guided meditation at a youth workers retreat and one of my best friends was actually leading us through an exercise. And that was towards the beginning of the dark night of my soul. And so I found myself seeking God as a comforter, seeking God as someone that could hold me as I walked on this journey. And I saw this massive field, all this potential to play and to live and to be free, but I was afraid. So I sat under that tree and stayed in the presence of God. But I was trapped in my dark night. I was afraid to live into the calling that I knew I had. Part two of this vision, if you will, happened about a year later. It actually took place right outside in that parking lot out there, the first visitor spot to be exact. If you wanna go see the site, there may be a plaque there someday. Probably not. I was about to start my field education for Vanderbilt Divinity and I had told them, no matter what you do, do not put me in a church. Do not put me in a church. And they're like, well, Katie, what do you wanna do? Like, well, I like places that do Bible studies and have spiritual practices and talk about God and ask tough questions and maybe even eat meals together. They put me in a church. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. But, so here I came to West End, my salty self, to meet with Pastor Carol. And so I walk into her office on one weekday afternoon and Pastor Aaron and Pastor Nancy were also in her office and they invited me to take a seat. And I honestly don't remember a whole lot of the details about that conversation. But I remember that for the first time in a long time, I felt hope. And I remember crying a lot. And I feel like every time I still go into Pastor Carol's office, I end up crying a lot. But that day I remembered being shocked by how open they were to my ideas and helping me find out what my calling was, how I could best serve God. And I was spiritually flabbergasted. I was surrounded by these strong female pastors and it felt safe. It was after that meeting when I got into my vehicle, I turned it on and I was back in the field. And it was like nothing I'd experienced before. And like I told the kids this time, when I was in the field, I felt safe enough to open my arms and to run around and to play and to take up space and to twirl and to fall down and keep going, basking in the healing light. And God was still there with me like a cape. And y'all, that's what I got to do here. So thank you. Matt said I was gonna cry. During my four years here, actually, 
anniversary of that is this month. Clint and I joined in May uh, uh, four years ago. I have felt my truest self experience resurrection. In the text, when Tabitha died, for the first time, because we would know if there was a 2,000-year-old woman living in the Middle East, first time, all the widows gathered around her, and they were weeping for her. And they cared for her body the best way that they could. And they shared stories and memories and showed off to one another and to Peter when he showed up these beautiful garments that she had lovingly made for them. And they created a space so that she could be raised. And this is my interpretation. But even though that Peter is the one that tells her to get up, I think her community loved her back to life. I think they held her hand as she came forth from her dark, dark night of the soul. Something Jennifer Freeman raised this week at the Tuesday morning Bible study was wondering if Tabitha was physically different after she'd been raised. Did she have any impairments or limitations or side effects that ended up becoming part of her everyday life as a result of this illness? And we've seen over and over again, especially the last two years, that just because an illness is, quote, gone, there can be residual effects that last the rest of a person's life. But Peter tells her to get up. And he shows her to her community, the saints and the widows that surrounded her. She is alive. But we don't know really what condition, but she's alive. When we experience resurrection, that doesn't mean we will look or feel or function the same as we did before. In fact, it usually means the opposite. Healing community has the power to transform us to tell us to get up and to live whatever that looks like, even if that means we have to live differently than we did before. As has been shared a few times, I'm coming towards the end of my time in ministry here at West End, and I'm feeling a lot of grief. But I'm also feeling a lot of hope for the future because of all that I've learned here. I've had the best, most soul-restoring time in this meadow with all of you. You are incredible pastors. They've mentored and encouraged me and supported me and have let me work alongside them and bug them with my ideas. And I've learned so much. This congregation, you continue to grapple with what it means to be a follower of Jesus in 2022 and what that actually looks like. In this field, I've been given space to dream and explore and to be weird. Y'all have helped me discover what it means to live into my fullest pastor self. I've been challenged to step into my gifts and to find my voice, the one that I'd been told I shouldn't use. A space where I felt trusted. And I'm so grateful for all of you that believed in the calling that God placed on my life when I doubted it. Here I received clarification to be an elder. And despite my initial conviction that I would never and could never lead congregational ministry or have my own church, seems that's what we're doing now. This church has supported me in the candidacy process, affirming ways that my soul needed that I didn't know that I needed. 
This church cared for me last fall when I found myself in the hospital for a couple weeks and had several more weeks of healing to follow. This church has supported me and prayed for me and filled out forms for me. This church has let me teach and preach and create and pray and write. Thank you. This church gave me a space to even create the community that my own soul needed. And I soon realized that that community was a space that a lot of other people needed too. My first semester as an intern, Pastor Brandon asked me to help teach a class for young-ish adults that were in various stages of life. And now, even though I don't get to go to it anymore, because it's here at Sunday school, it's a thriving community of people that come together as they are. That mosaic class, y'all were my widows. Y'all were my people, because we'd been through it. We came together feeling hurt and confused by church and religion, and we found resurrection together. And there have been so many moments, most of them involving tears, as you can see, where I'm overwhelmed by the beautiful healing power of community. And in response to, this, to the unexpected passing of the traditional plan in 2019's General Conference, this church taught me what it's like to, to on the spot respond to others when they're experiencing pain and rejection of the church. One evening right after that happened, Weston held a special service of prayer, scripture, and sharing. And it was beautiful and healing, and it gave me hope. Because a place like Weston existed, and a place like Weston was bold enough to share the message that God loves everyone no matter what. That's powerful, y'all. This world needs that desperately. And I thank God that that's the work that you do. There are so, so many other moments that I cherish here. I had a really long list even before this, but y'all wouldn't make it to Sunday school if I shared it all. But thank you. Thank you for being a healing community being open to me when I showed up in my dark night of the soul. Thank you for pushing me to get up and to live into the power of resurrection that Christ has called all of us to. Thank you for letting me be in a field and let me spin around and help me fly with my God cape. Most, if not all of you, have experienced at least one night of dark night of the soul, if I had to guess. And I'd be willing to bet that for many of you, that may have led you here to West End, to a faith community that can love you. I know that God led me here. I basically had a flashing arrow saying, go here, because I needed it. And God knew that. This church is an incredible place and it's full of incredible people. And in order for Weston to continue to be the loving light of Christ in Nashville and beyond, it needs you. Like Pastor Carol mentioned, there are booklets that our lay leadership team has put out. And it is full of ways that you can serve right here in this healing community. Seriously. 
God used y'all to change my life. I'm standing here today for several reasons because of you. This church is important, and not only to me, but to so many. And the work that you do is important. And each and every person has a space where they can serve. Seriously, check the the booklet. There's a lot. So I'm about to leave here. But y'all have to promise me you're going to keep this place going. Because I know that there are so many current and future Tabithas that are going to come here in their dark night of the soul, needing you. Your church needs you, and God needs you. We have all been called to rise and to serve. Amen.